Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you, steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Once again, Pastor J.D. shares the ABCs of the gospel at the end of today's prophecy update. If you're listening right now and you haven't made the decision to accept God's free gift of salvation, you need to do so today. Time is running out. The world is changing ever so quickly. The signs of the return of Jesus Christ are all around us. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 22nd, 2018. To me, this was the crux of the matter in the Trump-Putin meeting. I mean, meddling in elections, we forget, don't we, that one Barack Hussein Obama meddled with your tax dollars and my tax dollars in the Israel election to get Netanyahu out, whom he despised. Come on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. What's really going on here? Russian collusion, election meddling, stop! Sorry, I just woke up a couple of people. I, I'm so sorry. I just spit on everybody in the front row. Sorry, Melani, I, you know, Chris. Free baptism, water baptism today, front row. You know what this meeting was about? In fact, it's why they met. It was to discuss Syria. And more specifically, Russia and their willingness to get Iran out of Syria. Why are they still there? Oh, we know why they're still there. Because the prophet Ezekiel 2,500 plus years ago said they would be there to attack Israel. I believe that Russia will not evict Iran out of Syria, nor could they even if they tried because of what we're told in Ezekiel 38, specifically verses 1 through 6, which I want to read and point out a couple of very interesting details. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog. This is a man. Gog is a man of the land of Magog. Now, this is where it gets interesting and a little bit dicey, for lack of a better word. The chief prince of Meshech and Tubal prophesy against him. Now, some of your translations render it Rosh. Now, I know that there are those who are going to disagree. Let's just agree to disagree agreeably. But Rosh is not a place. Rosh is a title. And here's how I get there. 
In my native language of Arabic, we say ras in Hebrew, it's rash, like Jesus in Arabic is Yeshua, and in Hebrew it's Yeshua. So they pronounce the sh, and we pronounce with the s. So here's what ras or rosh means in Arabic and in Hebrew, head. So if I were to say to you in Arabic, rasi uh, wajani, I didn't say anything bad, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to have fun with the closed captioning on this one, but uh, it means my head, uh, I have a headache basically, but the literal translation is my head is aching me. Rasi, ras, 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 the head. Rosh, the head. He's the head. He's the chief prince. He's at the head of this thing. Gog is the chief prince, the Rosh, the Ras, if you will. And say to him, to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you, Gog, chief prince, Ras, of Meshach and Tubal. And this is interesting, verse 4. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. And then verse 5, we have a list by their ancient names of the nations that are going to be involved and allied with Gog. Persia, Iran. Cush, Ethiopia. Put, Libya will be with them all with shields and helmets. Also Gamar with all its troops and Beth Togarma. Beth is the Hebrew is house in Arabic. We don't say Beth, we say Beit, Bet. Beit Togarma, the house of Togarma. Who's that? Turkey. That's Turkey. And again, I know some will argue and disagree that uh, it's not Russia and Iran, it's Turkey and Iran. Well, uh, if, if uh, Turkey is, uh, you know, Magog uh, and uh, Erdogan, the current uh, leader and dictator, is uh, Gog, then who's Togarma? That's redundant. Why would we have Togarma, Beit Togarma? From the far north, interesting, that's where Togarma is, far north, with all its troops and the many nations with you. Now, the reason I'm getting into the specificity of this prophecy is that we have many details, one of which is that God himself will turn Gog around. And we're even given the detail of how which is that God will put a hook in the jaw of Gog and lead him out with his great army to attack Israel for the purpose of taking spoil. And we know that this particular detail concerning spoil has to do with the natural gas and oil that is in Israel today, which Russia needs, by the way, 
And interesting, we, we talked about this when Netanyahu was being interviewed. He used this exact word concerning Russia and Iran, both of whom are competing for the spoils. The spoils. This is what is going to be the hook that's put in the jaw of Gog. And we know this because of verse 13, which is another detail which tells us that, and this is interesting too, because uh, when it comes to oil, think Saudi Arabia. And, uh, man, the whole thing going on, that's another topic for another time. But they're going to protest this taking of the spoil from Israel. Here's where I'm wanting to go with all of this. The Trump-Putin meeting further moved forward that which will happen either at the beginning or possibly during the seven-year tribulation. I'm asked very often, when do I believe the Ezekiel 38 prophecy is going to happen in relationship to the rapture? We really don't know. Now, we can conclude and surmise from the details that we have in, in Bible prophecy that it's going to come at a certain time within the timeline, eschatologically, and from that, we not dogmatic about it, but it does stand to reason that it would have to happen either. And here's another possibility. It could happen simultaneously with the rapture. Or there's the, and by the way, spoiler alert, this alliance of nations are dealt a decimating blow. They will not succeed because God himself comes to their defense. Israel's defense, not the U.S. And wouldn't it stand to reason too, and we've talked about this as well, I know, but the rapture could also explain the absence of America from Bible prophecy. Let's not take that off the table, because that does fit. If the rapture takes place, it would gut out this nation. There would be no America to stand with Israel, because isn't it the Christians that stand with Israel in America today? So this could all just go down simultaneously. It's that sudden destruction of 1 Thessalonians 5.3. While they're saying peace and security, sudden destruction comes down upon them as a woman travailing in labor, and they will not escape. They will not escape. We will escape in the great escape, the rapture of the church. We who are alive and remain different than the they, we're the we. We the we. <laughs> Be a we. Not a they. <laughs> okay, that's, I'm getting way off now. It's my belief that it's now beginning to come to pass with all the prophetic players perfectly positioned exactly as we're told they would be. Let me hasten to say that we don't know exactly when it will happen, but what we can know is that it will happen, and we can also know that it must be soon when it happens. It's important to understand that in Luke 21, 28, Jesus didn't say our redemption draws nigh when it happens. No. He said our redemption draws nigh when it begins, key word, begins to happen. Is it beginning to happen? I believe yes it is. 
I would argue beyond a reasonable doubt that this is all beginning to come to pass exactly as we're told it would, and at breakneck speed. It's moving very fast. And one need look no further than to the specific nations that are listed in Ezekiel's prophecy, and even more interestingly, the nations who are not listed in Ezekiel's prophecy. A number of years ago, I put together this graphic showing those who are listed in Ezekiel 38 in white and those who are conspicuously absent in yellow. And I want to draw your attention to Syria. You would think that Syria would be involved in this alliance of nations that attack Israel in Ezekiel 38. They're not. Why do I point that out? Because it would stand to reason that Isaiah 17.1 concerning the destruction of Damascus, Syria, will come to pass first, eliminating Syria and serving as a catalyst from Syria to attack Israel from the north. Every nation, and oh, by the way, too, Saudi Arabia, only mentioned in verse 13 as not allied with, but protesting against. And so what do we see right now with Saudi Arabia and Israel? Talk about, I mean, it's a textbook case of uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. (laughs) And make no mistake about it, Saudi Arabia is an enemy of Iran, and Iran an enemy of Saudi Arabia. Iran is a Shiite Muslim nation. Saudi Arabia is a Sunni Muslim nation. Every nation to a nation in relation to the Jewish nation, I know that rhymes, is now at the ready. They're either all aligned to attack against Israel, already have a peace agreement with Israel, or are going to be dealt a devastating defeat prior to the invasion of Israel. And when I say peace agreement, I'm talking predominantly about both Egypt and Jordan. So I combed through numerous reports. That was painful. All of these uh, news reports on the Trump-Putin meeting. And I came across this Times of Israel article that, above all, to me, says it all. And it's about the differences that abound in spite of Putin and Trump presenting this united front on Syria. And oh, by the way, isn't it interesting that we don't know what they talked about? The only thing that we're being told is that, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to get into that. Oh my goodness, ad nauseum. Here's some of what the article had to say. The Russian leader implies that Iran won't be barred from the entire country. Ah, huh. Trump, in his remarks, said Israel's security was preeminent both in American and Russian considerations of Syria. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in turn, welcomed the attention. In a statement, he commended the abiding commitment of the U.S. and President Donald Trump to the security of Israel. Netanyahu also very much appreciated the clear position expressed by President Putin regarding the need to uphold the 1974 separation of forces agreement between Israel and Syria. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. Very important. They're on the Golan. 
However, listen, beneath the comity, not comedy, (laughs) comity meaning courtesy, there lurked several significant differences of how each side sees the outcomes. The time goes on to say and ask the question of, does Iran stay? Hmm. To this question they write, implicit in Putin's emphasis on ensuring Israel's security in the south is that Iran, Russia's de facto ally in assisting the Assad's regime bid for survival, will, listen, be absent from that region. What? The, the region? Not, not the entire country? No, no, just, just the region. As well as its proxy, the Lebanese militia Hezbollah. But Netanyahu wants Iran out of Syria, period. Prior to the meeting with Putin last week in Russia, the Israeli leader met with top Russian officials and said in a statement that he made it clear that Israel will not tolerate a military presence by Iran or its proxies anywhere in Syria. Netanyahu met with Putin, that's why by the way, and has spoken with him since. It's not clear yet whether Putin is willing to commit to, listen to this, an Iran-free Syria. Uh Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. I know that's not proper English, don't email me. It ain't going to happen. How do I know? How do we know? <laughs> we know because according to Isaiah 17.1 and with it, Ezekiel 38, there's not going to be an Iran-free Syria. There's going to be a Syria-free Syria. At least a Damascus-free Syria. Totally destroyed, so much so it's uninhabitable. When this complete destruction of Damascus, Syria, takes place, fulfilling Isaiah 17.1, it will be, I believe, the catalyst for the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, and it's teetering like this. It's teetering like this. Remember that illustration of a rubber band? You can only stretch that rubber band so long and so far before sooner or later it's going to snap. This is why, there's many reasons, but this is one reason why we can know that our redemption draws ever so close. And it's also why at the end of our prophecy updates, we share the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, also known as the gospel. Don't turn this off in a way, is really the most important thing that I'm going to talk about in this entire prophecy update. What is the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day, and is coming back again one day, soon and very soon. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Well, how do you respond to the good news? Well, it's childlike simple. It's ABC simple. 
The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you sinned against God, and that you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, All, key word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why Jesus said we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. This is the bad news, by the way, is that all have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. You know what the penalty for that sin is? It's the death penalty. That's bad news. Now here's the good news. The good news is the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B. The B is for simply believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then lastly, the C is for call upon the name of the Lord or confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly... And here's where that key word comes back into play. All. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Good news. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. And perhaps even more simply, that's how to be saved. That's how to be saved. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for so loving us in the world that you would send your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on him, call on him, would not perish in hell for all eternity but be saved and have eternal life in heaven with you. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that has never called upon you, or if anyone is watching this online, and you've gotten through to them by the Holy Spirit today, and they know in their heart that today is the day of their salvation. I pray that they'll put their trust in you and call upon you and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in His love.